Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I also want to welcome uh, this morning, watching online, is our tiny home village, our First Steps congregation. We welcome you guys that are watching online. Come on, let them know that you love them, everybody. Our, our very first online campus. I've met many of you. I haven't met some of you, but just thank you so much for joining us and uh, being a part of Radius Church. Um, I'm going to dive into something here, and I don't want to make this message about me, but the only frame of reference I have is what God has done in my life and through my life to bring me to the place I am today. So if if you'll give me a little bit of grace, I want to share a couple of stories today that happened to me uh, around, or not around, but during my eighth year on this earth. And and I don't don't want, I'm not telling these stories because I'm trying to gain any sympathy. I want to tell the stories because I want you to know that whatever God has done in my life, He can do that also in your life. Amen, everybody? And He is a restorer, and He redeems. And because of the song we just sang, because of amazing grace, we have an amazing God, and He can heal, come on, the broken arrows of our lives, right? Let's just start with that proclamation. And so I'll tell these stories. I've rehearsed them in my mind many times because these are two stories I haven't really shared publicly. A lot of my stories I can't share publicly, uh, but I'll try to navigate through and share a couple of these stories. When I was eight years old, um, I, I was getting a spanking for doing something that I don't even remember what I was doing. And the person that was punishing me picked up a baseboard, a board that uh, goes around, you know, the house. And, and it broke over me. And so they grabbed another one. Now, I think, I can't, this is uh, conjecture on my part. I think that the fact that the board broke made them more angry. Like I, my butt was too hard or something. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and so they... They grabbed a second board and began to hit me. And then these words were said as I was being punished. And I was too immature and too young at the time to understand or to connect the dots that I'm going to connect in this message. But the words were said, I'm going to continue to spank you until you stop crying. Now, there's a whole lot that could be said about that. But I'm not here to tell that person's story. I'm here to tell my story. And I remember when that happened as an eight-year-old kid. I didn't realize then, but that was the, I don't know if it was the beginning, but it's the time that I could look back and see when the arrow of my life began to fracture. It's when, I I know the enemy started a lot sooner, but I can look back on that moment and remember and, and connect the dot to one of the things that would for then be a not a lifelong, but a long time journey of healing in my life. Uh, because while that was being said, my little eight-year-old brain said, okay, fine. And I gritted my teeth, and I clenched my fist, and I stopped crying. What I didn't realize on that day is that I would stop crying for many, many years. And what I didn't realize that day is subconsciously I was saying, nobody will ever make me cry again, and I will never 
let myself be hurt by somebody again. I don't know if it was days or weeks or maybe even months in my little imagination. Uh, I can't put the timelines together to the day. But a few days, a few weeks later, I was on the playground, and I was playing an old-fashioned game in the dirt called marbles. Anybody remember that game? Anybody play marbles when you were young? All right. That's in the old days when we used to get out in the dirt, everybody. And I had found a coffee can of marbles in the attic of the house we were living in. I started playing marbles, and I was pretty good at it. And I was playing this kid on the playground, and in those days, if you won the game, you took the marbles. Come on, am I right about this? of the person that lost, you know, finders, keepers, losers, weepers, all right, and, and so I took his marbles. Now, what may sound very foreign to you if you didn't grow up in this kind of neighborhood is the next part of the story. I'm eight years old, and I go, I'm in a school in the Bay Area of California, in the Oakland area of California, and it was a very gang-infested area, and there was gangs in the school, yes, at that young age. And we had what was called the king of the school. Has anybody ever heard of that phrase at all? Okay, so we got a couple. Come on with me. All right, so uh, the king of the school was like the head of the gang, the toughest guy. And the toughest guy, his name was Bruce Deli. And, uh, and, and I remember watching him as an eight-year-old punch a kid and beat him so bad that they had to carry his limp body to the principal's office. And because of seeing that, amongst other violence in my young life, I was terrified of Bruce back to the marbles. I won the marble game and therefore took that kid's marbles. What I didn't know is he was buddies and a part of the gang with Bruce Deli, the king of the school. And so they began to torment me and tell me they were going to get me. They were going to not only take my marbles, but probably knock some marbles out of me. How many know what I'm saying, right? And I'm eight, and I'm terrified of this gang because I have seen some things happen, uh, and, and there's more to that, but I've seen some things. So because I was terrified, they knew what bus number I rode, and, where, and so they were going to get on my bus. So for like a week, I got on the wrong bus purposely, <laughs> And would get off somewhere that looked kind of familiar and navigate my way home. Because I was terrified that Bruce and his buddies were going to find me. And um, until finally, they, uh, I thought the coast was clear, got on my bus. And at the last second, Bruce and all his buddies got on the bus. That whole bus ride, they tormented me. They picked on me. They messed with me. They told me how bad they were going to mess me up. And if you can imagine, I was terrified. I was afraid. I didn't know what to do. I knew that I was in big trouble. And I kept having images of the limp kid that got carried to the principal's office. And, and, um, and so as soon as my bus stopped at my bus stop, which happened to be right across the street from my house... I jumped up and ran straight to my house where there was an adult on the front porch waiting for me. And I was terrified. And I'm crying. And, hey, they're going to beat me up. And as I'm crying and looking for solace and looking for help, the person that was assigned in my life to help me ended up hurting me or letting me down in that moment. Because what they said to me only added to the spanking situation and they said to me, as an eight-year-old, stop being a sissy and get over there and do something about it. And so for the second time in just a few days, I remember clenching my teeth and clenching my fists 
and going back over to do something that I really did not want to do. I didn't know it at that time, but that would those events in my life, and you have some of your very own, they would cause the arrows to begin to break because the enemy was out to rob, kill, and destroy to keep me from hitting the destiny and the plans and the purposes that God has. And he has done the same thing to you and the human race. It might not look quite like that, but the only goal he has is to destroy God's plan and purposes in your life. And from that day forward, what happened to me without even knowing it, it would be years and years and years later when I'd go to counseling that I would begin to unravel the intricacies of the fractures and the broken places of my life. But from that moment forward, I began to process all sadness and all hurt and all fear through the lens of anger. And so now I'm, I'm armed with anger. I don't know how to be sad. I only know how to be mad. I don't know how to fear. I only know how to be angry. Come on. Can anybody relate? And you can replace this with different emotions if you want to. And so from that point on, I processed everything through grit teeth and clenched fists that this is the way that you fix the atrocities and the brokenness and the hurts of life. And, and I was never an aggressive, mean person, but I was a very reactionary, defensive person. And I could hide behind my stronghold forever, making statements like, well, that's just the way that I am. Because I would not have been able to identify, oh, that started back there at those events. I would have just been a little boy in a grown-up body saying, that's just the way that I am. You need to deal with it. Hiding behind those strongholds and believing the lie. The stronghold. A stronghold, one more time, if you weren't here last week, is the wrong way of processing an event. And it's the wrong way of thinking about or processing things in our life. That's a stronghold. So when I should have been sad about something, but instead was mad about something, that is a stronghold. In my Christian journey, then one day I heard this verse found in James chapter number 1, verse number 20, and it says this. It says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let me break that down. One day I heard that verse read, and I heard, and, and I kind of turned it into a mantra. And I realized that I'm never going to get right with wrath. <laughs> I, I realized that anger is never going to help me walk where God wants me to walk. That, that's what I took from that verse. And, and, and anger was not hurting the people that hurt me. Come on. Anger was hurting the people that I desperately loved and did not want to re react that way in their life. Is anybody relating to this at all? You can wink at me because you don't want to give your secrets away. I understand. Uh, Paul tells us something in the book of Ephesians. He writes some pretty powerful stuff. So powerful that I wonder if Paul dealt with some anger issues. I'm not sure. Uh, I can't prove that in any way. But in Ephesians chapter number 4, before he writes verse number 31, he, he writes something very interesting. If you've ever battled with anger, then you've probably read this verse or somebody has quoted it to you. Somewhere around verse number 28, he says, Be angry, but... 
do not sin. Come on. All right. I, I was just trying to trap you there to find out where my mad people were. All right? It said, it said, <laughs> it said be angry, but do not sin. Yeah, you got that verse down. I mean, yeah, I got you, Kathy. Come on, girl. All right. So be angry, but don't sin. And then he says something very interesting that's going to connect to a, a later verse. He says something because he's saying it's okay to have anger, but he's saying don't sleep on your anger. See, God gave us anger. He wants us to have the emotion of anger. But how many know, like last week's message, our anger or any emotions can become twisted and they become wrong appetites that the enemy uses to drag us away, right? If you were here for last week. And, and, and he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger because if an event happens that angers you and you go to sleep, then it takes root in our heart. Come on now. What I didn't know, I didn't have a coach, I didn't have a father, I didn't have a parent, I didn't have a pastor that coached me through those events to allow me to vent, to allow me to be angry, but to not let the sun go down on my anger because I did not just one night, but hundreds and now thousands of nights the sun has gone down and the root of bitterness, the root of unforgiveness, the root of anger allowed to grow to the point that it's no longer a wound, but it becomes my very identity. Ah. Mm, are you hearing what I'm saying, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so later Paul says something that really, after he says, be angry, I like that verse because it was my justification of every time I'd lose my temper. Um, and, and of course, I would always qualify what, but do not sin meant, <laughs> You, you know, you could punch somebody and that wasn't sin because I had a different verse. How many know what I'm talking about? And usually it was somewhere out of the Old Testament. How many really know what I'm talking about, right? You know, David killed Goliath. Come on, Lord. You know, all right. It's interesting how we can justify our issues of life. But then he says something in Ephesians 4, 31, a little bit later. And to be honest with you, uh, it's a verse that if you've wrestled in this brokenness, it's kind of hard to swallow all of it. Let me, let me, let me tell you. Get, he says, get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with, watch what he says, every form of malice. Are you noticing? He's trying to cover all the bases. Um, and the problem with this verse, and the reason this verse bothered me for a long time, is that I didn't know how to get rid of. He says, just get rid of it. But if you've ever dealt with something, whether it's an addiction or a broken emotion, it's, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. This is the last time I'm ever going to do that, only to find yourself right back in it and saying, man, I need to get rid of it. And if you read that verse all by itself, what, what will happen is it will, it, it will fuel the idea that Christianity is about what we can do in our own flesh. Just get rid of it. And I used to be of that persuasion. Just stop thinking that way. Stop acting that way. It's kind of like telling a broken arrow to just simply stop being broken. It's like telling a broken arrow, straighten up and hit your target and act right. But what we forget is there is something behind missing the mark. And there is something behind that. There's fractures that happen. Uh, uh, Paul is listing in this verse. It's interesting because Paul is trying to list everything. It, it's like everything that comes to his mind, he's trying to list that thing. So, so, so let's look at it. He says, get rid of all bitterness. Bitterness is resentment at being treated badly or unfairly. 
That's what bitterness is. It's, it's, a, it's a resentment. And how do you know if you still have bitterness? Imagine the person right now, if you were alone with them and would not get arrested for doing what you are thinking, and you start thinking those things, chances are you're still bitter. Mm-hmm. If they frequently uh, entertain your imagination and what things you would love to do if God just gave you carte blanche, come on, that means you still have bitterness, all right? So bitterness is resentment at being treated unfairly. Then he says get rid of rage. Rage is violent, uncontrollable Maybe seeing red, maybe hearing sirens, anger, where you just explode, and then minutes later, like, what just happened? Okay, that, that's a rage. Uh, anger, is, it, it, it's interesting, because he says, get rid of anger. But wait, just a few verses earlier, he said, be angry, but don't sin. But remember, he also said, get rid of it. Don't let the sun go down while you're still holding on to the anger. Come on, husbands and wives, just keep looking straight ahead, everybody. <laughs> All right? And then he says brawling. He says get rid of brawling. The definition for brawling is physical or verbal fighting in a rough and a loud form. Okay, that's brawling. Rough, loud, names, fists, commotion, brawling. All right? Um, It's kind of the environment that I uh, grew up in my elementary years. Uh, And then slander. Uh, He he says, get rid of slander. Uh, That's the crime of making a false spoken statement about somebody out of resentment or hatred or anger. All right? And it damages their reputation. And then then he says, get rid of malice. Uh, Malice is just general ill will towards people. I'm just mad at everybody. Uh, You drive by a neighbor and say, I can't stand all them people living in those nice houses. You don't even know them. Right? Okay, so that's malice. Uh, why do they get to drive a good car and I don't? Hating your boss because he has something that you... That, that's malice. Ill will. Just, and, and, then, and notice that he says every form of it. He says, I want you to get rid of every form of that. Come on. How many know that verse is a hard verse to live? Am I right? Uh, if you say it's easy, then you're probably broken in a different area than I'm broken in. So how do we just simply get rid of it? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> how, how, do we, how do we obey Ephesians 4.31? Get rid of these things. Well, I'm going to give you the answer, but I want to I give you the answer with a warning. Um, the answer, um, um, if, if you struggle with anger or struggle with any of these words on here, or that's where you're broken, I'm going to give you the answer, but I'm just going to tell you right now, you're not going to like the answer. <laughs> you're not going to like the answer. And so, do you need me to pray again? You can sneak out because I'm just warning you right now, you're not going to like the answer of how to get rid of it because it feels better if you've wrestled with anger or bitterness or rage. It feels better to hold on to it because it's the fuel that keeps reinforcing that it's okay to be the way that you are. Get rid of it. It, it. The best word, when Paul says get rid of it, I did a deep dive on this. It's very interesting. And the best illustration I can come up with on getting rid of it, it's like, has anybody here ever walked through a spider web? <laughs> and you, oh, man, right? That, that's what Paul's saying. You got to do whatever you can to get rid of it. Now, in my life, I tried to get rid of it. And the way I tried to get rid of it was by managing it. 
Now, I'm not going to foo-foo on managing it because managing it was a good first step for me, but it's only a first step. Managing the brokenness in our life is a great first step, but we need more than management. Christianity, come on everybody, is more than behavioral modification. Right, everyone? It's internal change because who the sun sets free is free indeed. It doesn't say who the sun helps manage the issues. No, I needed freedom from the issue in my life. Uh, I'm not totally there yet. I'm a whole lot farther than I've ever been before. And, but don't let that worry you. As a general outsider, you'd never notice it, but I know my own heart. I'm still on a journey. Don't look at me like that because you're still on a journey too. Come on now. All right. So, so, so how, do I, how do I do those things? I, I began to manage it. And, and in other words, I was still angry on the inside, but I had learned how to manage the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many know we call that fake? <laughs> Right, everybody? It's the Greek word for pose. No, it's really not. But it's, it's like being a poser. Let me just ask you a question. Have you ever seen an angry person try to smile through their anger? It kind of looks like that, doesn't it, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Welcome to my life. Hi, how you doing today? Yeah, I'm highly favored. And you just want to punch a wall. You know what I mean, right? Okay. And, and, and so... Even to this day, now, it's, I've grown a whole lot, but even to this day, there are certain circumstances where, where I will process a hurt in my life first through. It might only last a second, but first through, we got to solve this problem through anger. I think that the journey, remember last week we talked about God will deliver us little by little. Because it's the thing that keeps me on my face and humble before God, everybody. I'm on a journey. And if you're new here today and you're looking for a perfect church with a perfect pastor, you found the wrong church. Because I'm still a mess. And because I'm a mess, I got a lot of sermon material, all right? I'll be preaching at least till I'm 145, all right, everybody? If the <laughs> Thank you, all right. And so I still have these tendencies. Watch this, watch this. Um, Rather than being sad, it's easier, it, it, it's easier for me to pick up a hammer. L- let me say it another way. If the only tool you own is a hammer, you have a tendency to see every problem as a nail. If the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer because the hammer helped you survive some atrocities in life, then that's all you use. And when you should be using a screwdriver, you're pounding something. And when you should be using a saw and when you should be using a level, all you've got is a hammer. So there is no condemnation because that's all you have. I applaud you for being here because we got to get some new tools in the toolbox. Right, everybody? Uh, anger is only the outward manifestation of something that is very deep. And so we got to quit telling people, stop being angry and be willing to walk on the journey with people to find out what is that eight-year-old event in your life that happened so we can unravel it so then truly who the sun sets free is free indeed. Come on and say a good amen. Watch this, watch this. Uh, All hurt is an outward manifestation of something deeper. I want to put them on the board. I want you to see them. So so anger is a manifestation of, there's a bigger list than this, but I just want to get you thinking. It's It's the manifestation of a hurt that's been unresolved in our life. 
It's a manifestation of a rejection, an abandonment, abuse, an accident, an incident. Accidents are what we stumble into. Incidents are what someone causes us to stumble into. And, and, and watch this. I want you to see this. This will be important for our next verse. Whenever, okay, if anger is a result of a hurt, then a hurt, uh, uh, whenever there is a hurt, we have to understand that something was taken. In other words, there was a theft that happened from me that you stole that created a missing piece or an anger or something happened to me, come on, that put stress on me and hurt me in a way and you took something from me. A hurt is because a thief has taken something from us. That's the most basic illustration of the word hurt. Somewhere, uh, someone stole something from you, and that's why there's a hurt. So may, maybe they stole, I'll be sensitive here, maybe they stole your innocence. Maybe they stole your childhood. Maybe they stole, let's be practical, maybe they stole your money. Uh, maybe they stole your heart's affections. They stole something. That, that's why we say these kind of things. Well, doggone it, I'm going to get even with that person. Because, see, they took something, and our emotion, our mind says, I'm going to get something back. I'll get even because it's lopsided. They took something. The scale's out of balance. So I'm going to get even with them so that the scales come back. But how many know that's an endless cycle, everybody, right? And, and, and so that's why we say those kind of things. So, so, Ken, yeah, but how do we get rid of it? If you're here today, you desperately... If you're fighting that issue, you're on the edge of your seat saying, please help me. How do we get rid of it? Remember, you're not going to like the answer. But I'm going to go straight to Scripture because I read Ephesians 4.31. The answer of how to get rid of those things is found in the very next verse. Let's look at it. Ephesians 4.32. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another. If you were here a few weeks ago and I told the sandwich story, how many remember the sandwich story? Uh, when I told the sandwich story, how many know the last thing on my mind was being kind and compassionate to that knuckle dragger? How many know that, right? <laughs> Am I right about it? Come on now, help a brother be real, right? So here's the answer. Be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Now hold that verse. Now, now what I am not saying, and I don't have time to deal with this in this message, what I'm not saying is that you should be a pushover. I am not saying that you should allow your abuser to continue to do the things to your life. I am not saying that. I'll deal with that in another time, in another place, but that is not today. But I just want you to know, that does not mean you continue to let yourself be in an abusive situation. Can I get an amen on that? All right. Okay. Uh, and so here's the verse. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Now, I know that's not fair. I, I, I know. Be kind and forgive. Ugh, man, sometimes I hate the Christian message. <laughs> Be kind and forgive. It makes me feel like a pushover. I know it's not fair. I know you want to hold on to it. I, I know you want to hold that person, that event in prison. Right. You don't even have to amen. I know you because I've been there. Right. 
And, and you want to hold them in prison. Now, I know it's not a real prison. It's just an emotional, imaginary prison. And you love to visit them every once in a while. When you're having a bad day, when you got in an argument with your spouse, when the boss was mean to you, you like to go back in your mind to that event, to that person, and look at them from behind the bars and torture them and yell at them and tell them off. Don't even look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Come on. I, I want to hold them in my mind because every once in a while I just want to be angry because I'm angry and I need somewhere to point my anger. The problem is it's not hurting them, it's hurting us. Watch this, but it's bigger than that. It's not just hurting us, it's fueling the anger or any other broken area it's fueling the anger that keeps you in a position of a victim. And you will live your entire life satisfied that you're going to heaven, but with a victim mindset. Mm -hmm. It's a victim mindset because you've held them in prison. And every time you visit that event, it is as though you're reminding and, and wrongly thinking, strong holding the fact that it's okay for me to be a victim. But here's the problem with being a victim. Victims are powerless. Victims are powerless. And who the Son set free, come on, is free indeed. The same power that rose Christ out of the grave is the same power that dwells in us. So God wants you to be set free. No, it wasn't fair what happened to you. No, it's not fair that you're a broken arrow. No, it's not fair that you keep on missing the mark. But God wants to heal you. That's why you're here today. Come on, everybody, right? If you stay a victim, what happens, victims only react and are at the mercy of everybody else. And victims are the real prisoners. Remember the bars you're looking through? Guess what? You're looking through bars all right, but you're on the inside and they're on the outside. They're still living their life. They're dead and gone. And you're still in the prison of what happened to the eight-year-old you. Victims can excuse any kind of temper tantrum or any other crazy behavior because, well, after all, I'm a victim. Because I lived in a victim mindset atmosphere, I can spot a victim mindset really fast. And so can predators. So can people that are trying to hurt you. So today is the day to quit being a victim. Come on, are you with me so far? Come on now. Because what happens, the longer we stay a victim, the longer we reinforce our story by telling it over and over and over. And we always tell our story, well, I'm this way because when I was, and I'm this way because my first husband, and I'm this way because when I used to go to church, and I'm this way because, and we keep reinforcing the walls around our soul last week, and no one comes in, and no one goes out, and you're in church, and you're singing gospel songs, and you're quoting scripture, but you still are reinforcing a victim mindset what happened what happened was not fair but there has to come a time where you say I am no longer identified by what happened to me I will be identified by who God is in me come on and I know it's impossible to forgive but there's a little part of that verse can you go back to Ephesians 4 32 there's a little part I would agree with you that it's impossible to forgive what they did to me it is but then there's this last little part of the verse that just, oh, you got me. Just as in Christ, 
God forgave me. Oh, wow. Just like Christ forgave me. And no matter what they did to me, I'm on the same level of a mess up as they were. And if I want to be forgiven, I have to... Now, many of us have the wrong definition for forgiveness. Now, I'm going to read a rather lengthy portion of Scripture. I think it'll be worth it, all right? So here Jesus comes on the scene, and he's going to deal with this in an indirect way. So aren't you guys grateful for a guy named Peter? Peter asks all the questions and acts all the ways that we act. Come on. Or, okay, sorry, I shouldn't include you. That I act... So watch this. Let me, let me get in it real fast, and, and, and I'm going to read through it. And those of you that do Rewind Life groups, you can dig into it deeper. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brothers and sisters who sin against me? Up to seven times? Now let me time out right here. Peter is acting arrogant right here. Peter's like, ooh, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower now. Check this out. See, I'm a Jewish boy that believes eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. So you smack me, I'm going to smack you back. So Peter's trying to say, look how much I've grown, Jesus. When they do me wrong, guess what? I'm going to forgive them again. Not just once, not just twice, not three times, but check me out, Jesus, up to seven times. And all of a sudden we realize Jesus picks up on the fact that Peter totally misunderstands completely the idea of forgiveness. I'll get into it. Watch this. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, that would be like, the number's not important, okay? I, I mean, the mathematical equation. It'd be like saying, it'd be like Jesus saying, do it a million times if you need to. That, that's what he's saying, okay? So watch this. Uh, I tell you, seven, uh, therefore, the, uh, uh, yeah, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. Many of you know this story. Let me read it on. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Okay? Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, by the way, these broken things in our life can become generational things. <laughs> And all that he had to be sold to repay his debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. Watch this. That's in red for a reason. And canceled the debt. The most basic definition for forgiveness is canceling a debt. Wow. It's not pretending they didn't do it. It's not pretending they didn't owe me. That person that did that to me when I was eight, they owed me. But I had to come to a place, because they took something from me, but I had to come to a place that I had to cancel the debt. Mm -hmm. Watch this. And I let him go. But when that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Uh, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. Verse 32. Then the master called the servant back in. You wicked servant, he said. I have canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Do I got some more? Yeah. Shouldn't you have, watch this, had mercy on your fellow servants? Who am I to hold a debt against somebody that in all honesty, I don't know what their motives were, 
But I do know that broken people and hurt people hurt people. I do know that the person standing on that front porch that day, the only tool they had in their toolbox was a hammer. And I could be mad at them for the rest of my life for that. But if I was, I wouldn't be standing on this platform helping other people overcome those issues. Right? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how the heavenly father, what, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Oh, my goodness. This is loaded. This was going to be my whole message. (laughs) It's a lot of verses just to tackle a couple real quick things. First of all, Peter thought that forgiveness was about him. How many times, uh, excuse me, he thought it was about the people, the, the other. He thought it was benefiting them. Uh, In fact, put that up there for me. Peter assumed that forgiveness is for the benefit of the offender. It's not. They might be dead. You may have never talked to them again. The forgiveness is not for the benefit of the offender. The forgiveness is for the benefit of your own heart. That's why Jesus said, if you got to do it a million times, do it a million times. Just don't let the sun go down on your bitterness, your anger, your hurt, right? So, so Peter thinks, ooh, watch me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch it. No, no, it's not about them. It's about you. The bars are not them imprisoned, it's you imprisoned, all right? And then when I said the thing that the, the brokenness, if we don't heal that, if we're not careful, that could be duplicated in the next generation. Because we don't raise kids based on what we know. Kids grow up and duplicate what they see. Now, not all the time. I mean, God intervenes, but you understand what I mean. So let me just give you a quick example. Uh, I, I, so it's interesting that my brokenness was in the area that manifested in anger. Well, my, my, I learned, I didn't know him growing up, but I learned my grandpa, he was a World War II hero, got uh, medals for how tough he was, was a Golden Glove champion. There's newspaper articles about him in Whatcom County riding his Harley into a bar and having big fights, okay? My dad, the same thing. He was an enforcer for a certain group of people that weren't good people, and he grew up very violent, brawling, fighting. There's newspaper articles about my dad in the Whatcom County Herald of car bombings and stuff that my dad was involved in. My mom was a tough lady, just tough. The only tool she had was a hammer. I don't blame her. If I'm mad at her for that, then I'm not forgiving and canceling the debt. When she she said, get out there and fight, that's the only tool she had. She grew up fighting. She grew up in a tough environment. She dropped out of school in the eighth grade to survive in her life. And so if I hold on to the anger, then I'm penalizing people that are hurting just like I'm hurting. Come on, are you guys hearing what I'm saying today? We reproduce what we see. So Jesus tells this parable to take the mystery out of forgiveness. And i got to wrap this up. But here it is. I want you to put it on the board. Forgiveness is simply this. Simply, it's about canceling a debt. That's what it is. Now, I have a series online. It's called Offended, where I dive really deep into the subject of forgiveness and what it's not. Today is not the day for that. But it's about canceling the debt. I cancel the debt. Was the offense real? Yes. And if I hold on to it, it turns into bitterness and rage and anger and malice and slander and all of the things. And I will forever be on my way to heaven but a broken arrow. Are you guys hearing me today? 
Uh, I don't think Peter got the true meaning of the parable that Jesus told until he was looking at Jesus on the cross. He said, oh, I'm the guy that had thousands of bags of gold forgiven because he's paying for it right now. How could I then turn around and hold a debt against somebody that called me a name? I know there's worse situations out there. I understand. But in light of what he has forgiven me, come on, right? Okay, now here's how I want to end. Let me give you a working definition before I wrap up with just a couple points. Give me, uh, I'm going to skip ahead. Give me forgiveness is really, forgiveness is really a gift from one undeserving soul to another. That's how I had to start processing it because I was mad at that person and I was mad at that person. And all of a sudden it began to be, I was mad at a whole lot of people because there was more than one or two eight-year-old stories. And I was angry and I had to realize it's forgiveness <laughs> is about a gift from an undeserving soul for an undeserving soul to another one. Isn't that powerful? Forgiveness is easier when we change our perspective. Watch this. Let me put this up here. What, what, our perspective from what was done to me versus what was done for me. Doesn't that make sense? The, what was done to me, yeah, I'm mad about it, but what was done for me, look at the cross. Right? Okay. Now, I want to give you some practical takeaways. Otherwise, it's kind of a bummer of a message. <laughs> so let me give you some wins to walk away with. If this or anything that relates to this is in your life, I know I'm going to oversimplify, but I'm on a platform with a countdown clock going, so I'm just trying to stir the pot. There will be people at the cross afterwards. There's life groups that you can begin to build relationships in. We have cards of counselors that are on standby, and we'll take a call from anybody from Radius Church. But let me get you started. How do I start the forgiveness process, Ken? It is so difficult. Number one. Number one is identify who, uh, who you are angry with. And here's what I want you to do. If this is really your broken area of your life, I want you to take me serious. This is your homework. I want you to go home. I want you to find a place. I want you to get a legal pad or a piece of paper, and I want you to write their names down. Don't use your phone. Somebody might see your phone. Use a piece of paper and, and write that down. Who are you angry with? Um, see, forgiveness is more than a decision to move on. Trying to forget a debt is not the same as canceling it. Even if it's behind you. My issue is 50-something years behind me back there at 8 years old. It, but it can still be there. Now, I'm saying literally make a list. The people you still have imaginary conversations with, <laughs> the people that you're still mad at, the people that you said, if I ever see them again, those are the people that need to be on the list. Number two. Ooh, I quieted this crowd way down today. <laughs> Number two, determine what they owe you. Now, most people skip this step. They, they just skip over. Uh, here's what I want you to really think about. What did they take from you? Did they take? Well, see, watch this. General forgiveness don't heal specific hurts. We like to just ease over that and glaze over it. Oh, I just forgive them. Do you? D do you really? What did they steal from you? Uh, I, I had somebody steal $100,000 from me one time. I didn't get over it overnight. Right. I had to identify, wait, what did you steal from me? And list that I was mad about that. 
So what did they steal from you? Did they steal money from you? Did they steal time from you? Did they steal your virginity? Did they steal your reputation? Did they steal your marriage? Did they steal your trust? Did they steal your innocence? You cannot cancel a debt that you have not identified. I'm sorry to be so real, but I want to help you. I wish somebody would have preached this to me a lot sooner than I heard it. Number three. Number three is verbally cancel the debt. Now, now, let me just say, do not go to the person. Do not go to the person because you're going to start a whole nother war. This is not even about the person. This is about you and God. So you don't need to go to the person. Uh, but if you don't verbally cancel it, if you don't do that, then, then you will continue the victim cycle and the stronghold. Um, and so you need to... Ver- remember last week, I think it was last week in this series, remember the walls of Jericho were tightly shut up and the walls didn't come down until what? The silence was broken. So sometimes the silence is just you in a prayer closet with God. With that list and that theft and telling God, I'm canceling the debt, Right? Verbally cancel the debt. Here's what it could look like. I put just kind of an example. When, fill in the blank. This is just a very generic. When so and so did, when so and so did such and such, it stole from me, I forgive them. Take a picture of it if you need to. This is a very important step of healing because we like to generally. Ooh, I, I just forgive. Well, yeah, but when that person did that thing, this is just you and God, and you're being verbal with God because God's the mighty counselor. And we got to put ourselves on his couch so he can counsel us. So God, when, I don't want to call a name because inevitably it'll be in the room, all right? When, when so-and-so, you know that thing, and don't say you know the thing. God, when they, when I was seven years old, When I was 20 years old, when they, it, I forgive them. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, Your feelings might not match what I'm telling you to do. That's okay. Feelings are just feelings. Okay? Most of the time, a lot of times, I don't feel like doing the right thing. Can anybody relate? Huh? Come on, chocolate cake. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. Number four, and this is the last one, and I'll let you go. Number four is dismiss the case. I almost see it like a judge, and you take the gavel and say, case dismissed. I'm done with it. Oh, it'll come up again, but you have to remind, oh, I'm done with that. It'll come back. The the prosecuting attorney, you know him, the devil, he'll come back and say, yeah, but what about, what what about, what what about, and say, oh, I'm I'm sorry, you didn't get the memo. I canceled. I dismissed that case. I, I might have to do it on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and even on Sunday, but I canceled that debt. I canceled the case. Feelings don't always agree with forgiveness. How many know this already? Can I tell you, what, about, what do I do with the memories? Memories are just memories. I, we're not going to get rid of the... Forgetting it is not forgiving it. It might still be there. Those are four things we could do. All right, everybody? Will you receive that? I'll stop right there. Okay.